When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. It is Friday. My name is Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Flow Track Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to audio programming. You can find it on our website, flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. We got a lot to get to, Gordon, today. It's a busy day in the running world. It's great for the podcast, though, because we want days like this. There's things to talk about. We we might go over an hour. Hey, we don't even know. Mm. We'll see because there's so much going on in the news today and uh, an exciting weekend. Finally, I feel like track is officially beginning starting tomorrow or even tonight in a way, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also a big high school meet going on, the VA Showcase. If people want to get a preview of that, you interviewed the – one of the meet directors, Nolan Jez, on Wednesday's show. People can can listen to that. We're going to be talking about those collegiate meets that are coming up this weekend, but there's plenty of other topics to touch on. Uh, NCAA school canceled their indoor season. NCAA announced a new indoor schedule. Andrew Bumbleau retired. But let's start here with – let's go to the high school scene here, Gordon. We're turning into a high school podcast, a high school running <laughs> podcast. Arianne Knighton. 16 years old, is going pro. You might have seen him break out last summer when you ran 20.33 at AAUs. He signed a deal with Adidas. He'll no longer be competing for his high school team. So just we've seen high school kids go pro before. We've seen high school kids go pro while they're still in high school. But this is on a, a different level here. Gordon, he's got two full years of outdoor left, and he's uh, he's signed with Adidas. What were your thoughts? So I was surprised. There's multiple emotions, right? Obviously, you're happy for the kid, happy for the family. Hey, if you can get paid to run, that is amazing. Not many people can do that. It's rarer to get paid to run than it is to get paid to do football or basketball or whatever, right? So big ups. But I, I keep on thinking about it, like, what is the the value of his talent, right? And I sometimes it's hard for me to kind of conceptualize how good 20 point, like how good a certain sprint time is for a young mm-hmm. kid. So he wants 20.33. That's his best mark that he has to his name. Excuse, excuse me. To his name. Mm-hmm. 20.33. And I'm like, oh, that's good. So I was like, all right, well, what is that? in distance because sometimes some people know distance better than sprints so mm. his 20.33 in if it was run in 2019 it would have been the 16th fastest time in the u.s so he would have been ranked 16th in the u.s mm-hmm. so the 16th fastest 1500 meter time in the u.s was 337 the 16th fastest 5k time was 1331 so he has two years left how would we react react if a high school sophomore 
went to the track meet and ran 1331. <laughs> we'd lose our minds. We would lose our minds. If they ran 337 in the mile, we'd lose our mind. Or the 1500. We, we, yeah. we, we, we saw that. I mean, Webb ran, what, 353 for the mile, which is pretty close to 337. And that was when he was a, a senior in, in 2001. So we've already seen that, that story before. Yes, you're right. I mean, when you put it into 5,000 meter terms, it just gives you an idea of how, how good he is at such a young age. But, so that is good. But then you have to compare how far away he is from what the third best time is, right? Like, if you want to be yeah, sure. making an Olympic team, you need to be a 19-8 guy, 19-9 probably. Mm -hmm. Maybe 19-9 low, 19-9-0, right? 20.33 is pretty far from that, right? So there's also that factor. Do you think it was a good decision? I'm asking you first, and then I'll tell you if I thought it was a good decision. With all these, it's hard to say because you don't know the terms of the contract. You don't know the other options that were available to him. But I default to what you said before. If you can get paid to run, there's so few people that are paid to run. If you can get paid to run, I think you should take the deal. I think you should take the deal. You're right. He's at 20.33, and I think part of the appeal – if you've done some research on this kid, he's only run track for three years. So this isn't the situation where he's this phenom that started at age six and he's always been setting age group records. He's still relatively new. He's still learning the sport. So I think that's part of the draw too is 20.33 is the floor and he's only going to go up from there. When he ran that time, according to the track and field news report, he hadn't raced in six months really like in the lead up to his summer season, right? He had been off because of the pandemic and then he comes out and he drops this amazing time. So how do you get from 20.3 to what you're saying? 20.0 or 19.9 or 19.8 to where you make a team. Is it staying in high school two more years competing with your club team? Is it going the NCAA route? Like everybody has a different situation, but track ultimately is an individual sport. So there's a perfectly good case to be made if he's surrounded by a good coach and good training partners that he can progress at the exact same level or better than he could with high school, with a different club, or going into the collegiate season. Track is so weird because it's always this mix and mash of, of who your training partners are, who your coach is to create this perfect formula. So what is he giving up to do this? it could be something inferior to what he's going to have, which he could have a better coach or a better system or a better setup this way. One thing I know for sure, 20.3, you know, he's not going to get much competition running in high school races for the, for the next two years. That, that is for certain, right? So you could say, well, you know, he, he, he's doing good because now he's going to have more flexibility to compete in meets he wants. If he was a high school senior, it might be a little bit different because then you'd say, well, go to college, you could run the SEC, you could find competition every week that's going to run that fast. But then you'd weight it against, okay, well, does he want to be running you know, four events at a meet? Does he want to be competing that frequently? You know, So I, I'm, I'm always going to default to it. If you're going to get compensated for your skill or talent, go ahead and go ahead and do it. But it's impossible to say. You know, Adidas signs 
seems to sign every high school kid that comes out, but we have no idea how long the contracts are. Is it a, is it a 10 year deal? Like we've heard that they signed other high schoolers coming out. Is it a five year deal? It's just so hard to tell when we don't know what the offer is. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think we always remember the, the high schoolers that pan out like a Noah Lyles. Right. And I think, or like, or like a Drew Hunter and stuff like that. But like Allison Felix, Allison Felix, but like, we're like, I think we're always thinking of the exception to the rule. And my question is how beneficial is having a year to a year and a half of collegiate type coaching? Like how valuable would it be for him to be coached by Mike Holloway for a year and a half? or by Carl Lewis for a year and a half or by, you know, any other, you know, the, or, you know, any, any other top tier type spring coach, mm-hmm. Texas Tech's guys or Texas. Right. And we, that, don't know. I just, we don't know. I mean, it's just, again, I always side with you're getting paid, take it. But there is a part of me that thinks like, is he given up an opportunity to be even better? Like maybe, okay, so there's like, I feel like there's three different timelines here. We're doing Avengers style, three different timelines. There's, <laughs> there's a timeline where, no, I'll say there's four different timelines. Oh, another timeline? Time yeah, there's a timeline Avengers plus. where, yeah, yeah, four, uh, there might be actually more. First timeline is, okay, he goes pro. <laughs> He continues to succeed, and he has an incredible career. He has, like, a Noah Lyles-type career. Like, he progresses well, and he's just, like, mm-hmm. super mature for his age. He's able to stay focused in high school and getting that paycheck and finding the right training partners, and everything is perfect, and he just is, like, the next big thing in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. That's timeline number one. Second timeline is it doesn't work. And he gets a little bit better, but he kind of just doesn't – he doesn't have the structure as much around him as he would have had if he went to college and the, the training partners aren't as good. The club coaches he trusts don't really got him the right way, and he kind of just fizzles out, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the two other timelines where he doesn't go pro, and he goes to the college route, and – one of them, he has a successful career that involves some national titles, but also going on to the pro scene and having a Noah Lyles type career. And then he also has a timeline where he does well in college, has a couple of national titles, tries to go pro, but it doesn't work. He doesn't. So, yeah. In so in three of those scenarios, he get he's getting paid, right? The first uh-huh. two, he's uh-huh. getting paid because you know success or failure, he's still getting paid. The other two. He's only getting paid in one of them, which would be the success one. So he took the option where whether he wins or loses, he's getting paid versus the option of only winning gets you paid. Does that make sense? Do you, do you track this right now? Yeah, I got a spreadsheet out on my computer right now. I'm just connecting all the lines together. I think – well, first of all, Lyles, right? People are People are comparing him to Lyles because of – the Adidas connection and because he ran a fast 200 Lyles went pro after high school. 
Knighton is going pro midway through his high school career. So, you know, it's totally different. Lyles was getting fourth in the Olympic trials when he came out. He was a proven, he was a proven best runner in the United States runner, right? He, he was, he was at the elite level in 2016. So it made a, a ton of sense for him to go pro ran what, 20, 2009 that year in, in Eugene and set the U20 record. So this is different, right? This is a whole other level up. But my question to you is this. Sometimes athletes, because of uh, a variety of circumstances, you know, they're going to hit their peak at 20 or 21. Their best moments are going to come when they're 20 or 21. And there's not a lot you can do to change it. So if that's the case, would you rather have been getting paid or would you rather have not been getting paid? Because a lot of times with these young athletes, we do this revisionist history afterwards and we say, oh, they shouldn't have gone pro. They should have done this differently or that differently. But then you could run the alternate scenario where they don't go pro. They go to college and the exact same thing happens to them. And then their senior year, they're running 20.2. They didn't see the improvement that they got, thought they were going to see or 20.1. And they're just one of, of many. And we see that in the distance side and on the sprint side as well too. So the argument is, if someone's willing to pay you now, take their money now because you have no idea what you're going to be. You have no idea if your body is going to hold up for 10, 15 years. What do you think? But is we the make one that thing... assumption. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. What do you think is the one thing, the one – there's lots of positives, right? You're getting money. And again, it's super rare. What's like the biggest negative of what he's doing? Or the not even biggest, but like the the main negative. The pressure that comes with it. Because now everybody he already was known. You run twenty point three three and you run it the way he did. We've you've all seen the YouTube clip. It's on Flow Tracks YouTube if you want to check it out. Like he runs that twenty point three three in a way that's you know, reminds people of Lyles and Bolt just a little bit, just the tenacity coming off of the curve. So he was already known, but this just puts puts a big arrow right next to his name. Anytime he enters a meet, he's going to be known for it. That to me is the main the main drawback. Because look, you can do what Allison Felix did, which is you go to you say go to the shoe sponsor and say, okay, I'll sign with you, but you're going to pay my college. Okay, boom. You're going to set me up in this great training group. Like you can make those demands. So he's getting all of the benefits that he would get if he was a Division One athlete. The only difference is he's racing in, in different meets and he's able to, to get paid for it. What do you think is the biggest drawback? Uh, you're risking um, your maturity development. But are you? I mean, I think that depends on the coach, right? It depends on the coach. Oh, you mean you mean like because he, because you're gonna have money at a young age? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean that just depends. Yeah, on and people it's just like you, right? yeah, yeah. That, I mean, you're you're you can it, it can work, right? But it takes I think it takes discipline to be like a high school prodigy getting paid. I feel like it takes yeah. discipline, and not everyone has it. Some people have it. And if you combine it with your talent, you can have a great career. But like, there is going to be 
more temptations for him than he would have had just as like a, you know, you know, going a different path. Right. So, well, yeah, again, also there's not, there's, there's not as many templates to what he's doing because he's doing it within high school. If it was, okay, high school's done. Now, instead of going to college, I'm going to go to pro. That has been done successfully numerous times before. This path is less charted. So I think there's fewer people who can say, hey, I've been in your shoes. This is how you should set up your season. This is how you should approach um, your life off the track and all that stuff. Like We don't, we don't see this, this often. We're seeing it more than we have – in the past, but I don't think anybody's cracked the code on how to do it correctly yet. Yeah. In the end, super happy for the kid. Like we said, yeah. if you can get paid to go running, you, you take it. Like, <laughs> no matter how many talking heads on a random podcast can be like, well, what about this one thing on this? Who cares? You're, you, they're not writing Whoa. you the checks, so you accept the money. <laughs> yeah, and people put, even now, even still, people put NCAA competition and the system of NCAA on a pedestal and they say, well, that's, that's the way to do it. That's the way you go through. It produces all these great athletes, which it does, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to produce the best version of Arion Knighton. It's going to produce somebody that's great. You know, it's going to, it's going to spit out every year. All these people are going to go on and win Olympic and world championship medals, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best fit for each individual person. So yeah, wish him luck. I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, Mary Kane was, you know, making world championship finals when she was in high school. And I remember at the time thinking, well, if she goes to college, who is she going to run against? Right. She was already running you know, 405 and you know, sub two in the 800. Right? And she wasn't even there yet. So I just think the key to development is continuing to race against people who are able to are able to push you. So if he's able to do that more frequently, then I think that's a good thing. But ultimately, yeah, it's going to depend on the coach, the club, the the training partners around him um, to make sure it works. But I mean, it's one of those times when you wish you knew more about the finances of track and field. Right, because that yeah. would help you understand a little bit here. Because because if what if it's just like free gear, you're like, what, dude? Yeah. No, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, 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 do not do that. No, 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 no. But wasn't it? I mean, who who would who did they say had a ten year? Is it Drew Hunter that had a ten year deal? Or one yeah. of the deals got reported, right? I, I, it was a big deal when Webb went out, went pro from Michigan, because the details of his contract came out, and it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year is what it was reported as. And that was a big deal. And at the time, that seemed like a ton of money. I'm guessing now the deals are much bigger. But if you're able to have... Maybe not. A tenure... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. True, true. But a tenure contract that you sign when you're 16 and takes you to, to 26, that's good. You can't get many employers to guarantee that you're going to get a paycheck for, for 10 straight years. Again, I'm speculating here. I don't know. That's, that's what it is, but we've heard contracts of those length in the past. It's like the Albert Pujols deal, right? Didn't he sign you think a, long contract? a pro athlete feels who got cut and then they see a 16 year old get paid. That's the game. They're yeah. paying for potential. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you're basically things a bit. You know, it's like, oh, you have enough for him, but not for me. You know, all these are bets on the future. You're betting that it's the next yeah. Lyles or it's the next Felix. That's what you're doing, and some of them are going to pan out. And Adidas, especially, is heavily invested in this because that seems to be their their mo is get the phenoms, and then hopefully one of them pans out. And then remember when Adidas gave money to like. 148 high school runners like those high school boy 800 yeah. runners right right that's that's they're... what i'm saying yeah uh, I was like, what are they doing? they're like the hoes yeah they're definitely fishing there <laughs> but maybe this is the the big tuna they they found so they got to him before yeah who what what college coach was like god damn it <laughs> do you think it was mike holloway in florida he's like well first you take the lyles away from me now you're gonna take <laughs> night i was about to go have dinner with his family next quarter <laughs> yeah he's in florida i mean they, they have no shortage of sprint talent in in florida so i mean everybody wanted him obviously i think when you run 20.33 at the end of your sophomore year i think most college coaches assume you're not going to be available by the time you get to <laughs> you get to college right like that's that's an absurdly fast time 20.33 to run as a sophomore true very true. i mean that's just yeah. Any event. All right. So let's move on. Other topics here. Um, Andrew Bumbleo retired. So we got people entering the sport and people leaving the sport here. So let's do these back to back. Bannerman Track Club runner made the 2011 World Championship team. Was fourth in the trials. Gordon in 2012 in the 5K. Had had some injuries and later moved to the marathon. Ran the 210s. Finished fifth in Boston in that rainy wet and horribly cold year and then this past year dnf'd at the at the trials but one of the one of the stalwarts of, of the bowerman group so we're seeing some some turnover there with a few people moving on and and some retirements as well too when was when did when was bumby's last like good race what year uh chicago marathon I believe 20 was that 2018. So three. Are you years. talking about on the track? Are you talking about the track or roads? Roads, because you know you made a transition to the roads. So yeah, so 2019. Oh, sorry, 2019 Chicago 210 56. Um, and then is that 2020 just 210 50. I mean, <laughs> are we supposed to then like, 2018? When was that? 210.56 is not the same thing as him making the world team in 2011. Well, yeah, he was a better he was better in the 5000 than he was yeah. in the marathon. I don't think it, no one no one is arguing that. He just had this middle point in his career when he was transitioning between the two and he he wasn't racing that much. He was he was getting hurt, but he he had a he had a good run. He had a good run. I mean, second at USA's in uh 2014 in the 5000 in 2013. He was fifth. That was the year when they jogged, I think, a 5-10 mile for the first mile, one of the more bizarre races. As I mentioned, oh, I 2012, that. he was yeah. – yeah. 2012, he was fourth. And then 2011, he was um, he was fourth but made it on onto the team and ended up running in, in Daegu. So he had a stretch there where he was consistently a top five guy in, in on the, the U.S. – in, in, in the 5,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was his, that, that was his jam there. I mean, ran 13, 12, I guess he ran 13, 12 in the era that 
like 13, 12 was good enough, a top tier time. Whereas I think now yeah. we're entering it where it's, it seems that that numbers moved down to, what would you say? 1305. Yeah. 1305. Yeah. yeah. So not even 1309. I would say 1305. Yeah. Yeah. Like if someone runs 1310 at Peyton, well, you would have lost your voice in 2015 screaming about it probably on the call. Whereas now you'd be like, yeah, 1310. Yeah. Nice, nice rest it's buster. Like, nice rest buster. Oh, yeah, rest buster. Ready to go. Yeah. Great. That's what do you good, think though, about Bowerman? Better. Yeah. What do you think about Bowerman as a whole here? Grace moved on, Ryan Hill with Hoka, and then Bumbleo retired. They got some cap space or they had to move some people? I mean, I don't know if they – I think they're still over the cap, right? They they were growing so big. Even when they lose these three bodies, they still are very full with uh, their talent. So I think they might need another round of cuts maybe in 2021 or 2022 to try to get back to like a more stable group. But it's a embarrassment of riches, right? They can lose these three people and still be yeah. just as powerful as they were a year ago. So, uh, but yeah, Bumby, I remember, you know, I remember, I remember, I remember that 2013 race, like you said, the jog race where he, mm -hmm. he ran well. And I, yeah, it, it's a, it's a bummer that his transition didn't work as quickly or as well as it could have happened. You know, not everyone, not every 5k runner is built to run 26 miles at a all time fast pace. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, most are. I'm not for sure. Are you? No, I don't think so. So hey, you can join the party, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, but but like Tegan Camp, like there's this whole group of guys who did this the, the traditional progression of I'm a really good 5K guy. Solinsky, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have my kick anymore. Like let's let's move to the marathon, and it's just it's tough. Like the ones where it, like Meb, it worked for Meb and it worked for Rupp, but. And, and Ritz, but most times it's it's really tough to to be good at both at that part of your yeah. career. Do you think going that that progression of being like a miler in high school and then you move up to the 5K in college and then you're a 5K, 10K guy as a pro and then all of a sudden you're now a half marathon marathon and like just as you age, you go farther in distance. Do you think that's a a better plan than just being like, I'm doing a marathon, like jump into the marathon right away and skipping the five years of flirting with the track? Mm -hmm. So basically the Ryan Hall, the modified Ryan Hall method. I mean, he's good on the track for yeah. the 5,000, but he, he went to the marathon earlier. Yeah, 100%. 100% because that's what other countries are doing. Now, Kenya and Ethiopia has the depth to where – Okay, you run thirteen oh five on the track. It's like who, who are you? What what event are you trying to run? So you might as well you get scared off to the marathon, probably a lot quicker. And the money that's good there makes a lot more sense. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're going to see more and more people start to make marathon really good mar um, like NCAA runners. I think we're going to see more of them make marathon debuts when they're twenty three, twenty four, as opposed it's to reason twenty seven, twenty eight. Is it be, is it because of the the aura of like track? Is it because of contracts? Because if if you really think about it, the place to make the most money 
is like road races because they have the best prize purses than any track meet's ever going to have and yeah, yeah. more of them right so yeah it, what, what's the main reason that these talented ncaa all-americans and ncaa champions are just like constantly no i'm going to track for two to three years well, the more mo- than two or three years. Like the money's on the roads, you know? I don't, yeah. I don't understand. So you're, so you're basically saying, okay, you take someone like Tyler Day, who has some really, really good PRs, and you're saying, why don't they go to the marathon right now, basically? Why spend the time trying to make U.S. teams in the five of the ten? Yeah. I think part of it is physiological development because the marathon is a scary endeavor, so you want to be super prepared for it. I think that's part of it. And and the other part is maybe routine. You get used to running a track season and racing frequently, and it yeah. and, and it's a little scary to say, okay, now I'm going to go to only racing a couple times a year. So a combination of those two. But I think people, maybe not day necessarily. I don't know, but I think people like day. People in day's shoes. I think in the next ten fifteen years, we're going to see more of them try that. I probably said that ten years ago. And was wrong. I probably was thinking, "Hey, Chris Derrick, when he's 24, that guy's going to go all in on the marathon." And I was, I was wrong. Or Bumbleo, that guy's going to go all in the marathon. So I'll just repeat it again, and then I'll say it again in in 10 more years. But I, but I think it makes sense for certain certain athletes. Like, what if like Cesarek right out of college was like, mm-hmm. "All right, I'm running the marathon." Yeah, yeah. It would have, especially if you're good, especially if you're experienced in the 10,000. Right, if you're yeah. if you come come at it from the or, or you're really strong in cross country, cross if you're coming country, at it, yeah, yeah, and you're you're already logging a ton of miles, um, like Pat but, you're running it. Go run the, go run the yeah marathon, because the your your youth, yeah, you don't have the miles on your legs, but on the flip side of that, you also don't have too many miles on your legs because the alternative is now I'm a 31 year old journeyman who's been competing on the track for years and years let me try my hand at the marathon you're like oh okay this is this is tough but when you're younger you can recover quicker perhaps there's a a better fit there it certainly is working in other countries do you do you think if the ncaa added a half marathon event kind of like the uh the juco system has a half marathon championship do you think if we had a half marathon ncaa championship that would get these kids ready to go where when they're 22 and they have like a NCAA like title experience, they're more prepared to be like, yeah, age 23, I'm a marathoner. Well, and it would help sponsors and coaches ID the people who have talent for the longer stuff. Cause right now, what, what are you going off of? You're going off their 10 K PB and what they put on Strava probably on their long runs. Yeah. That's it. And but it's, it's all anecdotal. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all anecdotal. Someone like CJ Albertson, Right, who was top ten at the trials, but when he ran in Arizona State, was just was just another guy. I mean, he's he was a solid runner, a good runner, but I don't think anybody would have been like, "Yep, you, you are going to be you have you have potential to be a good marathoner." You know, they probably would have had a couple other guys on the team that they would have said, you know, who had better PRs than him. So yeah, if you had a real race at half marathon, I think you'd you'd, you'd identify him a lot quicker. You know what I just thought. Genius idea, Uh-oh. NCAA committee, if you're listening. Hey, we're getting ready for a wild indoor season where we're going to have indoor championships, and then on a Monday, the cross-country championships. 
next let's just replace that cross country the let's still let's keep our cross country championships in in the fall but let's let's replace that monday championship with the half marathon mm. why don't we do that so then indoor season you have people training for the half marathon on the for the monday and then you have the people training for the indoor season hey and you could even if you wanted to you can make it count as points towards the indoor team title because then coaches would be like "Ooh, okay let's, <laughs> let's, let's rack up some points if i was in charge of usatf or some sort of uh governing body that had authority i would i would say anybody who made the ten thousand meter final or who was let's say top 50 in cross country hell top 100 see like graduating seniors i would host a half marathon after outdoor just as a just as a a talent search basically just to see who was good and who had it in them like to to id them right away because there might be people there who um, are ready to go in half marathon. So and and yeah, yeah. I'm talking about a road racing combine. Is that what we're getting right here? We're getting some road racing instead, combine. You have them instead of the forty, we do the forty kilometer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude, I love it. And then the coaches are watching and they're seeing what type of shoes they're wearing to kind of like yeah, yeah. recalibrate what their true ability yeah. is. But what? Oh, infer- it, honestly, that's a yeah. When you say it like that, it's kind of funny, but it's also what information are you going? It's all speculation, right? I, you could send, well, here's what they ran on their long run and and stuff. But it's if the longest distance you run is 10,000 and you're trying to forecast how good they'll be uh, at a marathon, something that's four times the distance, more than four times the distance, you're requiring a lot of guesswork there. So I don't know. Even the people who they've done extensive data, like when Nike did Breaking 2 and they were doing all this extensive data analysis on who would be the three best guys to do it, they obviously made some assumptions that ended up being incorrect. Not on Kipchoge. They were 100% right on him. But on the other two, they made some assumptions. So the lab and the data and the science told them one thing, and then for some reason it went in another direction. So unless you actually have a mark out there, it's it's – it's hard to know for sure who's going to be who's going to be good. Yeah, man, I like this anyway. idea. Let's do a half marathon NCAA championship the Monday after it indoors, and a marathon combine for all the NCAA cross country qualifiers. Let's do it. Yeah, who wants to write the check to make it happen? <laughs> like, yeah. So Nike's next thing, instead of doing a breaking two, they should go back to uh, America's next top distance runner. That's what they should do. Ooh, I love it. Make it a reality show. Follow them around. They can try to America's next top marathoner. And... Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll be great. It starts with a test. That's that's the the pilot is like the test race, and then from there, they get put in the house, the altitude house, and the ro- the rows will be the four percents, right? And then you get the rows. You get the the Nike four percent. Perfect. Oh man. Things stop getting polite and they start getting lactic. That's what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about the NCAA's indoor schedule briefly? For yeah, the so there was news about how NCAA is going to a three-day schedule instead of a two-day schedule. And we're like, what is yeah. that going to mean? Are they going to change it up? Like, Could someone easily more triple now because it's spread out? Mm-hmm. Comes out and it's basically 
has no impact on an athlete because what they did was they put all the multis and the weight throw on Thursday and then Friday and Saturday, the schedule is exactly the same, except it's mm-hmm. split by gender. So afternoon session, men, evening session, women, and same thing on Saturday. So it doesn't really affect any, I think it's a good call because I think they want to kind of keep it. They didn't want to make it too crazy where all of a sudden they gave a certain team who had a certain type of athlete an incredible advantage because they could triple easily or something like that. They kept the order of the events the same and it just split by gender to keep the bodies in the building half, which makes Mm -hmm. sense. I mean, uh, you can, it's pretty easy to split. I mean, we've been doing mixed, like two genders at the same time uh, Mm -hmm. for all this time. And you can easily just like, Hey, well, if we just cut it in half by just splitting the genders and now, yeah, you can fit more people in a in a longer time span. So makes sense. So no no big craziness. It, right. It shouldn't have any impact on the competitive balance balance of yeah. the meet. Right. I mean the the Correct. thing that's gonna affect the competitive balance is two days later is cross country. That's what's gonna yes, impact. Yes, and I mean yeah. I've been talking to some coaches and I'm still trying to get uh an idea of what coaches are planning on doing like mm-hmm. by coaches. I mean, coaches who coach distance athletes, you know, they all want cross country. I don't think there's any coach that isn't going to attempt cross country. Um, the question is how much indoor do they give? Cause if you're like, even like someone, a team like NAU, right. Mm-hmm. You want to win the cross country team title. You want to win the cross country team title. And in order to win the cross country team title, you need to run Luis Grijalva as your low stick, right? But if you have Luis Grijalva, he is literally the best 3K runner in the country. So it would be extremely weird to not let the best 3K runner in the country run the 3K national championships, right? But Mm -hmm. there's that. But that is then a factor of how he performs in the 10K, you know? So, yeah. The the strategy of what coaches decide to do, do they do 5K cross-country double? Do they do DMR cross-country double? Do they do mile cross-country double or 3K cross-country or try to triple somewhere, you know? So yeah, the, the question is like, I think the people we kind of want to know most is what does Cooper Tier on the men's side, Cooper Tier, Yared Nagus, Luis Grijalva, Wesley Kip two and Connor Mance. What do those five do? Because that's probably the group that we think are all going to be battling for an NCAA title yeah. in cross country outside year Nagus. But Nagus is Nagus like try to like win the mile? We don't even know. So it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Notre Dame's got that DMR thing going too. So they have yeah. a team title <laughs> indoors and a team. Uh, finish in cross country. They, they they prioritize team there, but there's two opportunities for for team that weekend. I saw that UTEP has canceled their indoor season entirely, which frankly, when I read this release, Gordon, that you put on the rundown, I'm surprised more teams haven't announced this, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> we, excuse me. Like this indoor season's happening, right? We have like, 14 meets going on this upcoming weekend. And then I just filled out the schedule. There's a lot of cross, there's a lot of indoor track meets, but the catch is they're all hosted by power five schools and they all are basically going to let power five schools in UTEP, not power five. 
they have nowhere to run. They're not able, they don't really go to Texas Tech. They can't go to Texas Tech because they're not allowed in. New Mexico, they would go to New Mexico. New Mexico meets might not happen. Can't get in. Where are they going to go? Where is UTEP going to run indoor track? They literally, it's the other schools are basically for, are going to, I think there's a lot of schools that just are going to have to self cancel because no one's going to let them run. And that's yeah. a bummer. Like the Conference USA, I think, is going to have an indoor championship, but like, there's going to be a lot of schools where the only meet they're going to have is their conferences in end of end of February. So it's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, UTEP, I think, probably saw the writing on the wall. They thought like, hey, we don't have anyone that's going to win NCAA indoors anyway. Um, we can just get ready for outdoors. But it is bummer, and I think we're going to see more of this of these non-Power 5 schools just being banned by, by the Power 5 so they can't run. There's a key sentence. The last sentence here says, The Miners are slated to begin the outdoor campaign on March 19th at the Willie Williams Classic in Tucson, Arizona. So they only have to wait two months to run. That's the other part of this too. Is Outdoor is right around the corner. So do you want to go through all this – work and spend all this money traveling and try to figure out all the different protocols you're right if you're not going to contend for a title or just wait two months and and run outdoors when there's a lot more opportunities a lot more meets so it makes sense yeah what um what should we be watching for this weekend As uh so i went through off? i went through all of the start lists to kind of get us ready to go for um, basically the kickoff of the NCAA weekend. Um, there's a bunch of meets. Virginia Tech, we'll see Ja'Cory Patterson, who famously always runs a really fast 300. Um, mm -hmm. Is he the NCAA record holder? I think he is, is he? Is it? I'll double check. Pardon my clicks as I try to... All-time indoor collegiate... Man, is he? I thought he was second, but maybe he broke it. While you look that up, yeah, you know, no, 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 my allergies are killing me. Keep going, Keep yeah. Going. So he ran, he went last year, this on this exact weekend last year, he ran 32 28, which broke uh, Torn Lawrence's collegiate record by 0.04. So 32 28. So Jacory Patterson back on the 300, making his season debut. Can he? Run even faster. I mean, if he's been training well, maybe we could see a 3199, which would be pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, but seeing the NCAA record holder run the off event again to see how fast he can go will be interesting. Race going down in Virginia Tech. But there's a bunch of meets like this, right? So Penn State's having a meet. Danae Rivers is going to be running the 600 and the 1K. Uh, mm -hmm. The Corky Classic, Texas Tech meet. We're going to have the Texas people. Going down, you know, Kennedy Flannel in the 60, Jonathan Jones in the 200. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have some, like, kind of fun names that we kind of know. I mean, I'm looking forward to Clemson Invite, Matt Bowling's show. He's going to run the 60. Uh, mm -hmm. On the Texas A&M side at the Ted Nelson Invite, we're going to see the debut of their two-star freshman 800-meter runners, Brandon Miller and a Thing Mo. Really excited yeah. to see what Thing Mo does in the 800 same with brandon miller he kind of had a high peak kind of mid 
high school and then kind of fell off at the end, mainly due to the pandemic. And yeah, I think he got injured his junior year. So we haven't seen what a true Brent, fast Brandon Miller can be. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited for that Texas A&M 800 debuts from Mo and Miller. What about yeah, you? Yeah, they had a – no, that's that's the one I had circled too. They had such an incredible recruiting class, and they're so deep in the – and they have such tradition in, in the 800. I'm excited about that. Um, obviously, man, there's some big names at the McCravey Green Invitational too. Alexis Holmes, Randolph Ross, um, Dwight St. Hilaire, who's kind of under the – yeah, and St. Hilaire is under the radar, but as a freshman, he was really good and then got hurt. But there's some – yeah, there's some big names there as well too. Um, hey, so yes, this is, this, this is a good weekend. This will be a good weekend. Circle that McCravey Green invite in Kentucky. Abby Steiner. This is the Abby Steiner show. She's making the Olympic team in the 200. I'm saying it right now on January 15th. Clip this. Abby Steiner, 2021 Olympic qualifier okay. she's gonna be wow. and she's gonna sign a big she's gonna sign a big pro contract the weekend of the trials and she'll debut probably her adidas kit so i'll go with she'll debut her adidas it, kit starting line of the 200 meter final that's my prediction we already did bold predictions a couple weeks ago so i know uh, well, i'm at another I can, one i could submit that one I was thinking of another. You know which one I was thinking of? What? I was thinking of this. So what's the most in all of United States track and field? What's the most predictable one, two, three? Which event would you say? Like order or just picking the, the top three? Picking the top three. What's the top three right now that you would bet the most money happens in Eugene at the trials? There's only one correct answer here. So you need to make sure you get this right. Otherwise, this won't work. I'm trying to think who has... I know a lot of one-twos. There's only one correct answer for one-two-three? Yeah. I mean... There's an event where there's three people who are on an entirely different level than everybody else. Audio podcast. Okay, oh, we need you to talk. Is here. it the men's two? No, oh, it's not the men's two. It's a women's event. There, I'll give you a hint. It's not the 400 hurdles. No, it's not the 400 hurdles because that third spot's open. Yeah. Come on, this what, is easy, Gordon. Is if you can't, if you can't do this, we might have to get Lincoln back on. We might have to really give Lincoln a call here and see if he knows the answer to this. It's not the 800. I still think the third right, spot in the 800 is open. It's not the 800. You're right, 100%. One, you're right. It's not the 800. Okay, so it's not the 200 because no one knows. It's not the 100. This is taking away longer. 400. It it's, it's not the 400 because there's like six women. It's not the 8. It's not the 15. It's not the 5K. It's not the 10K. It's not the hurdles. Because there's – I don't know. Oh, you're so close. What oh, it? man, you went right over it. You drove right past the exit. Gordon, you sped right past it. You didn't even say the event out loud. Oh, the steeple. song. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Steeple. Yeah. It's so predictable. <laughs> so that was the last I feel, thing I could think of. <laughs> yeah, you, you literally didn't say it. Like, it's not the hurdles. It's not the 10K. 
It's not the 1500, and there's definitely no event between the 1500 and the 5K that I'm missing. Yeah. Okay, sorry. It's so predictable that I feel like if you said one of those three doesn't make the team, it would 100% be an incredibly bold prediction. But eventually that's going to have to get broken up, right? Yeah. Eventually? The only time it gets broken up is through injuries, like Colin Quigley. And that's not – yeah, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the bold prediction would be they're not the first three across the line in Eugene. Ooh. Right. Because – so Quigley's made it – every year since 15, Quigley has made it. Right? Coburn's streak obviously goes on uh, since the beginning of time pretty much. What's – how how Frerichs goes back how far? I don't know. But – A long time, far. right? Yeah, so did she make it in – let's see. So 15, she didn't make it. 15, she was uh, seventh. So starting in 16, she made it. So they've been the team uh, – aside from injury, they've been the team that gets 1, 2, 3, 16, 17, and 19. 19, right? The last last three years, it's been the exact same uh, group that's that's gone to – World Championships or, or Olympics or qualified. So, I don't know. I just thought that it just popped into my head randomly. Like, what if it wasn't that three? What does that have to do with Abby Steiner? You were doing another bold prediction. You were doing oh, another okay. bold prediction. And I was like, uh, this is another bold prediction. Okay. Last thing before we go. Okay. Uh, it's on It's on the ticker at the bottom. We don't know a ton about it, so I didn't want to go too much into it because Brianna McNeil hasn't made a statement, but she's been provisionally suspended due to – a charge from the AIU with tampering with part of the doping control process. Now that can mean a lot of different things too. That's there a, a that's statement. a relative. There was a statement that came out. Okay, yeah, can you read from the statement her, from her agency in response okay. to the notice of charge levied by the Athletics Integrity Unit regarding Brianna McNeil. ICM Stellar Athletics would like to clarify that Brianna has not tested positive for any substance banned in the sport of track and field. Brianna will request a hearing where she fully expects to be exonerated and continue her championship career. Okay. So go, uh, why don't you kind of enlighten people what the charge is against her? So the charge, and we need to know more information about it because it's, it's described as tampering with part of the doping control process, which can mean a lot of different things. People hear that and they think, oh, it means that you like manipulated a drug sample but it can mean any any part of it, right? Uh, per my understanding, so we we need to know more information about that. This obviously gets even more complicated because she's already had a one year suspension for whereabouts failures after 2016. She missed an entire year because she had three missed tests. The suspension, though, it could have been two years, like we saw in the Christian Coleman case, but it was knocked down to one year because they did not that she was using um, performance enhancing drugs. She gave a full accounting of where she was and where the mess ups were. One of them was she was at the white house when she was supposed to, and she didn't update her whereabouts. The other one was she went to Florida to participate in a day in her honor. It was like Brianna Rollins day. Um, and, and the third one, I think she was traveling um, to a meet. So she had moved on from that. Obviously she was back. She made the world championship last year and competed. So this is going to be, you know, just the charge itself. Um, can bring about serious punishment, but that in combination with a previous violation could um, could sit her out for a while. So TBD on it. We don't know if we've learned anything with 
these sort of cases, especially in 2020, is you kind of want to wait before you make any sort of judgment on on what could happen next or what will happen next. Yeah, hopefully it gets resolved and the justice is served on either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm sick of AIU and all these crazy different things happening. I'm kind of become numb to them all, to be honest. Uh, I know I shouldn't be because it's an important part of sport, but one after another, I'm always like, what? Okay. And it's always like, I wish I missed the, the old school tested positive for steroids. You know, I miss those because then it's like, all yeah. right, we know what you did. Yeah. But now it's like all these different uh, violations, mm-hmm. whereabouts and all that stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. I do have a question though. Before we, I want to leave. If I, Elon, our producer, if I play a video on my computer, will you hear the audio? I don't think so. No. If I send you a Twitter video, will you be able to play it really quick? Uh, yeah, send me the link. I'll send you the link. Man, you're making Elon work more and work overtime it, here too. I sent it to the, the chat in, in our in our VMix call. So I there's a viral video that this. I think I know there's where you're a going. viral video. <laughs> Elon, do you get it? Yeah, one sec. Okay, so I'll just preface. There's a viral video that went down last night. Uh, Twitter user Leah and Sharik uh, tweeted it. It's a clip from a a popular television um, game show <laughs> that involved a question about track and field. And while I don't blame them for not knowing the answer or not knowing who the athlete was, even though we all know who the athlete is. I don't blame them for not knowing the athlete. I blame them for not knowing just spatial aware, spatial distance math. So uh, it's an 18 second clip. Once we got it, we'll play it and we'll, we'll leave with that. But here right. it is. This is, you can see it on the screen. This is from Jeopardy. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Here we go. So you can so if you couldn't oh, hear the man. beginning of the question, Hickam El had they're basically what is just under a mile that's the metric distance of the mile. The answer was fifteen hundred meters, but the first answer they gave was ten K. Amen. If if my ten K record now is four forty, you know, I'm 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 good. I'm a very good ten K runner. So what's uh, the worst but, answer of those three? So it's a tie between 10K and 10 meters. Because I think 10 meters is a lot worse. 10 meters? Yeah. Because, listen, not everybody's going to know what a meter is, right? But people know they, they probably would associate it with a yard. So 10 yards, this person thinks 10 yards is just short of a mile. I could see 10,000 because they're like, all right, like you can't see, you know, you can see 10 yards, you know, 10 yards on a football field or 20 yards on a football field. And they have some association of like, oh, I ran a 10 minute mile one time in middle school, but it didn't take you 10 minutes to run 10 meters. So I feel like that I was think the this worst is what, by far. I, I think this is what it was. I think the first guy goes in quick and he's just trying to think of a distance, 10K. Because he probably thinks of yeah. road distances, 10K. 
And I think the, the lady who didn't buzz in second, the reason why she said 10 meters is because she probably thought, oh. oh, he had the right answer. He just didn't know how to say it correctly. He said 10K. He should have said K is in a distance. He should have said meters because that's a distance. So she said, oh, it's 10 meters. Like she probably was thinking she was saying 10,000 meters. I think that makes it even worse. I like the third person who's just like, I don't know, 500 meters. <laughs> but no, I've watched this. I've watched this probably 60 times now. And I have another theory. Your theory is a good theory, but I have another theory. The way the question is written, where they say just a tad bit shorter, maybe they thought that was like sarcasm in the clue. And it was a lot shorter. But then, Ooh. but then you'd have to think that the 10 meter run was at the Olympics, right? And anybody who's at the Olympics, anybody who's, I don't know, man, I guess I can't assume anybody knows anything about track, but I feel like most people know that the hundred meters is at the Olympics, right? And it's the shortest one. Do most people know that? Yeah, no, I think they were just thinking metric. So they were thinking meters, which I think they all were thinking that. Yeah, and they yeah, were yeah. just like, what I think they were thinking, what is the, what's the marquee event in meters? I think that's what they were thinking. Not what is the one that is most associated with the mile. I think they were trying to think what's the marquee event. So they were all thinking. Yeah, but why do they distance. think that the 10 meter is running? Why do they think that 10 meter takes place in the Olympics? 10 meter, no. The lady said 10 meter because she thought she was correcting the 10K. She When she said 10 meter, her brain was thinking 10,000 meters I or 1,000 meters. That's what her brain not. was thinking. Her I brain was thinking 10,000 think meters or 1,000 meters. It wasn't thinking 10 meters. That's what I think. So I mean, the lady yeah, who said well, 500 meters at, at the very end, I mean, she was the most accurate. Who would have thought? Well, because she, she picked closest. something. She heard 10,000 and then she heard 10. So she's just like, why not 500? The, don't you lose? You lose points in Jeopardy if you get the question wrong. I don't know why they're just wildly guessing at events. I mean, the 10 meter. To think that, that there is a competition for the 10 meter is pretty interesting. I don't think she, I don't think she was actually thinking 10 meters, man. I think her brain was thinking can something we, different. It just came out different. Can we get her on the pod? Can we get her on the pod? What was her name? What what who what is what is more ridiculous, thinking that ten thousand meters or ten meters is equivalent to a mile, or Britney Spears's world record hundred meter dash on a treadmill where she ran her first like five second, five eight dash. yeah 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 or five eight yeah I mean ten meters is shorter though so I'd almost say the ten meter is is more ridiculous than Britney Spears. Somebody topped Britney Spears. Someone topped Britney Spears. I mean, all getting lost. You can in run this chaos, ten meters so. in like a second. Ten meters is like a a second. Yeah. I think. I mean, we have to blame the first guy who buzzed in. He got them rolling into wild distances. If he would have gained <laughs> it, I guarantee. If he would have said five k, she would have yeah. said five meters. A hundred percent. She would say, "Oh, five meters." But that's weird, though, that a collection of three people don't know that 5K is more than a mile. Because I feel like if you and I right now just randomly cold called our friends who have no idea about professional track and field, but we said, what's more, a mile or a 5K, most people would be able to say a 5K is longer. I mean, have you seen the Office episode where they're trying to um, 
do yeah, like a five k, and they say five thousand k or something like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because they don't. The these people aren't used to doing metric math in their head, so they don't think about it. Like, I bet you those three people have never even. They you know they only think miles per hour. They only know how tall they are in feet. They don't know how many kilograms they weigh. They only know how many pounds they weigh. So you like, think if it just, was just. So you think if they phrased the question differently that they would have gotten closer? I feel yes. like if you – man, you're, you're putting a lot of faith in people's just allegiance to the imperial system over the metric system. Lost in all this like is Sika you... Melgarouge. He was a great runner. Goat. <laughs> Goat in the, in the, not only in the mile in the 1500, but he had a great 10-meter dash, and we, his 10K was just unheard of. So, Do you think that there's every night – there's something like this on Jeopardy and a different community is just astounded by how bad the answers are. Yeah. There's a, there's a uh, Uzbekistan podcast. And when there's a question about Uzbekistan <laughs> that nobody gets right, they spend the next day laughing about it. Yeah. They like, it's like we would, it's like, it's like stupid where they think like Dallas, Texas is in Alaska or something like that. To them. Yeah. 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 Do they not know where this city is, you know? Something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, ah, I thought that was fun. To yeah. With that. Check out the clip. No, yes. Thanks, Leah and Much. Sherrick, for tweeting it out and videotaping yeah. her, her daily Jeopardy watching, which is great. Yeah. Jeopardy's a good show. Jeopardy's a good show. I've always uh, always enjoyed it. Haven't watched it in a while, but it's a great show. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for uh, listening all this week. Gordon and I will be back on Monday. We'll have a lot of stuff to, to recap, so I'm excited to do that. Remember, you can check out the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you to Elon for producing. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.